Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 Mandra. So I don't have Corona, do you? You know, TBD. It feels like at any moment there's just like this cloud of tension. I feel like for the past three shows, we've been talking about coronavirus and each week it's just like the anxiety is a little bit higher. People at my office are getting more anxious about it. I live in the part of New York where it's like ground zero, where that guy mm. has been spreading it. Like he got around, okay? The busy, the busy lawyer. The, the very <laughs> the busy. busy lawyer with yeah. lots of friends. Um, <laughs> someone at my doctor's office contracted it, so I got an email from them. No. Yes, honey, and I was just about to go to the my gynecologist, and I was like, let me not <clears throat> go to that appointment. And I still, I've, so I've been commuting to work a few days a week, and I genuinely go nuts staying at home all day. I don't like working from home, so I've been and, you know, going in three days a week and you can feel the tension on the subway. I take three trains, one commuter train and then a couple of subways to get to my office. And slowly but surely fewer people are on the trains and it's quiet. There's like this, I don't know, there's just like this tension in the air. And if and if you're sitting next to someone who coughs or clears their throat, you can see people like give them the side <laughs> eye. You can. And it's just, and you feel like the, it just... And no one's, it's like no one's barely breathing because they're afraid to breathe the air. Um, it's quite, quite interesting as like a social experiment. It is. I, and, you know, Tiffany, you work at home, but for those who have to commute, it, it has reached a point where, so for example, my company finally sent out a notice to employees, you know, we're not closing down any offices, but... It's hard for us to say you can't work from home. It's impossible. Of course, we can all work from home. You know, yeah. our jobs as writers and editors, you can do that from a computer. So it's pretty much up to the individual. You know, if you want to come into work, it's and we're still in that gray area where it's like mm-hmm. it's not. It's not like super. I mean, New York is in a state of emergency technically. Um, but it's not at the point where everyone is like self quarantining, you know, and it's just staying like at home. Like Italy, how do you quarantine? You close a whole, whole country. country. Yes, I, I just can't even. My mouth dropped open. Yeah. Like, wait, what? And it, yeah, Italy. I know everyone's reacting to that. I can't. That would be scary. And it feels like New York, in and of itself, is a country. Like, if it were to shut down, I mean, I mean, just businesses, it, the, the impact to, to small businesses would be great if people are just staying at home and not participating in the economy. You know, there is that uh, definitely a downside. And then people who don't have a choice and who have to go to work to make a living, you know, if you're a waiter 
or you're a delivery person, you know, or, or just you work at any job where you have to physically be present. Mm-hmm. Um, That's like my husband. He has to fit. He he's a super. So he has he can't you can't do that from the your home. Like things need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Like and then you're thinking I'm always thinking he's going from apartment to apartment to apartment, checking, you know, like, ah, I was just like, OK, I just yeah. been really making him. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, like more than anything. Like, don't forget to wash your hands because don't touch I mean, your face. Yes, because literally the 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 um the apartments that he managed, it's 300 units. So just imagine how many people who's coming into contact mm. with on a regular basis. So it's definitely nerve wracking. Yeah. And, and for those of you who have jobs, I mean, you hope that you have, you know, my neighbor, for example, she's a janitor at a public school system. Ooh. Someone's at my door. Um, she's a janitor at a public <laughs> school system here that's been closed is closing down for the next two weeks. And I just chatted with her. I saw her outside yesterday, and I was like, "Miss Paulette, how you doing?" And she told me the school was closing down. And I was like, "Do you have paid time off?" And she said, "Yes, thank God." Not everyone is that lucky, though. Mm-hmm. If you know, if you live off tips or you live on an hourly wage and you don't have yeah. paid time off, so it's it's bringing back that conversation of you know people need sick leave, like paid sick leavers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when things like this happen, it's it, you feel so bad for families or people who, you know, don't have a way to to make an income. So um, it's it's getting it's getting pretty scary. People at my office have started to request to work telecommute those who have um, underlying health conditions because they say um, if, you, yes. if you're young and healthy, generally, you know, you might get a mild case. But if you have underlying respiratory issues or yes. you're older, Yes. Um, then you're more at risk of really having severe repercussions if you contract yeah. it. So, you know, and of course, you know, I think you got to do safety first. I did reach a point last night. I had to talk to myself. So I went ahead and bought a monthly pass for my for my train, which is not cheap, okay? And I was like, I've honestly been going because I'm like, I'm not going to waste this train ticket. It was $300. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, I have a baby, I can yeah. work from home. The governor has said, if you can work from home, you should work from home. Like all the experts say that. And my stubbornness has really been about, I don't like to be tight. I don't want, I want to be, I just came back, you know, I just got back commuting to work and I enjoy it. But I, I think for my own safety and for my my baby and my family, I am going to start working from home in the near future. So that's, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not super excited about it, but it's just... It's just not worth like the anxiety and and the risk of bringing something home with me. No, no, it's not. Yeah, and markets continue to react. My husband was just texting me this morning, yes. like, "Oh, the Dow's going back up. We better buy stock." Like, meanwhile, yesterday was dismal. I know. <laughs> yesterday was like, what was it? What was someone tweeted? Oh, crap. I forget. It was really, really clever. It's like, don't. Anyway, the idea was, don't look at your four hundred one k today. Just yes. don't look at it. I didn't look I at can't mine. Even- so what I've been doing, because, you know, I don't want to be totally like, like unaware. So what I, I'm not looking at my 401k, but I, you know how we like, we, I don't know if you use Robinhood, but you know, I buy like kind of like stocks. I don't want to say for fun, but like, you know, like it's not, it's not a huge account, but I use that as a gauge. I'm like, oh, when I look at my Robinhood account and I see red, 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 I'm like, ah, oh, I lost $200. But that's just with like, kind of like the play money I use for, for stocks. So I've just been oh, looking at that, honestly. Like yesterday, the market halted for 15 minutes. And I was like, what? And I didn't, I'm like, I'd never heard of such a thing. And I saw, it was my friend, uh, Tila, Tila um, Holcomb, you know, Tila. um had her on the show. Yep. Yes. And so I was like, what? So I honestly have been following Tila's page. 
to like because she um she trades uh, full time for a living and teaches women how to trade too. So she's really good at kind of breaking down things. Like I remember she literally wrote, she's like, I've been saying over and over, it ain't time to buy yet. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? You know, and so I've just been following. So if you have some folks that you trust to follow their pages and ask questions, and she's doing a lot of educating, um, I feel like she's like, it's showtime synergy, you know? (laughs) (laughs) My whole thing has been when there's a, when there's a market downturn like this and stocks are falling, I kind of, I just say it's a clearance sale. You're getting things at a discount right now if you're putting money in the market. And that's how, you know, and and that's just how I sort of wrap my head around it. And and my husband right now being like, the market's going up, we need to buy. That's just a classic investor mistake is when you buy when things are going up and you feel like you're going to miss out. And then you sell when things go down and then you miss out when things go back up because you've sold off. And you have to look at what history. Now we have um, a very, you know, near recent historical example with the Great Recession of what happened Mm -hmm. to people who got out of the market when things got scary versus people who stayed in the market and those who stayed in and weathered the storm um, were much better off 10 years later than those who took their money out of the market. Um, And so Tila said this, which I thought was really like, I think it's important to understand. She said, cash is a position, right? And the best position if you don't know what you're doing yet. So it doesn't make sense for you to be in and out, in and out, in and out, unless you're willing to do the research and the work of what it looks like to trade during this time period. It's not because I, I'm like in some group chats and everyone's like, I think I'm going to buy Pfizer. I think I'm going to buy. And I'm like, if you want to have like a, a stash account or, or a Robinhood account for kind of like fun investing with like a little bit of money here and there, but money that you're willing to totally and completely lose. Okay. But don't do that with your retirement account. Don't do that with your, with all the money you've saved up for wealth. Like now is not the time to experiment if you haven't been doing the research. So yeah, if you want to buy a few stocks here and there via these, like, you know, these kind of what I call like my fun accounts. Okay. But I, now is not the time to, to be jumping in and out of the market, not knowing what you're doing. Yeah. And if you have, it's a good time to have a financial, this is when it's good to have a financial planner or an investment advisor um, who you can call and who can talk reason to you. And just, you know, just share your ideas and how you're feeling and then have them share their guidance and knowledge there. So obviously, Tiffany and I are not financial experts, um, mm-hmm. investment advisors, financial planners. We're just we're just in it just like you guys are and in seeing the same headlines and trying to wrap our own heads around what's going on and stop our stop your like emotional response to certain things. My, yeah, the way that I'm getting through it is just trying to ignore my accounts. They have gone down before and they, I imagine, will go back up. It's a whole different economy. The the health of our, we just posted like a really big jobs report recently. The economy overall is really strong. There will be a coronavirus vaccine soon enough, you know, in the next year or so. Yeah, it's 12 to 18 months to get a vaccine, but it's, I trust that we have people who are developing one. And I trust that um, our economy is relatively strong compared, even compared to it was 10 years ago. It was a shit show 10 years ago. So I really hope um, that's that's my take on it. And other than that, just wash your hands and don't touch your 401k. Okay. <laughs> okay. Don't touch your face or your 401k. Wait, that was it. Like- oh my God. That was what the person tweeted. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. It? Yes. It was like, your 401k is like your face right now. Don't touch it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Ooh. Sorry, love person. Her. I might be stealing that for my own, for my own socials. No, <laughs> but I love funny. that. Yeah. All right. What else is going on? I mean, geez, is anybody is anybody talking about anything besides coronavirus right now? What about? Um, did, oh, go ahead. go ahead. What were you gonna say? No, there was like this really like um, it was kind of like sad, but it ended up being much 
better, like video about this little girl who she's getting her hair retwisted. She's super chocolate little baby, super cute. And um, she is getting her hair done and she's telling, she told the hairdresser, she can't be more than four or five. She says, no, but I'm ugly. And said, it's so matter of fact, the hairdresser stopped in her tracks and you could tell she like gasped, was like, what? And turns her around and lifts her face up and, and, you know, and proceeds to pour all this love and kindness into her and tells her, like, you know, just how beautiful she is and like teases her because the little girl just starts bawling and crying. Um, I don't know if it was it was because she could tell that the um, hairdresser was um, was upset or is she just like, you know, whoever had told her that it just, I don't know, hit her in that moment. So she's teasing her and telling her, like, look, didn't, didn't I tell you have two dimples? Do you know how who has two dimples? Nobody. I don't even have two dimples. And, you know, it was just such a beautiful thing to witness, especially because the hairdresser in the beginning is like, I guess she must be talking to her son and telling him, if you don't get out of my face, I don't even like kids. And then, and then she, <laughs> and then she, turned so she just around happened and, to be rolling on something else. And then that interaction happened. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I think what happened was that I think she was showing people like, this is how you twist hair. And mm-hmm. the teachers do like a tutorial. And, and then that, that happened. And when I tell you the outpouring of love for this little girl, I think her name was like Ariana and the outpouring of love, um, Matthew Cherry, the, um, the gentleman that uh, won the Oscar for hair love, that short, mm-hmm. he had rounded up a bunch of artists to create pictures of her to send to her so she could Aww. just see herself. Mm-hmm. And then another friend of mine, Dr. Yaba Blay, uh, she's got this awesome um, Instagram account called Professional Black Girl. You should follow it. It's just so uplifting. And she rounded up a bunch of us that have uh, books that feature Black uh, characters so we can send her books. So we're all on board to do that. It's just, yeah, I, it's just such a, like a, a it's just such a, you know, I just can't believe that that happened, honestly. Yeah. And little girls are so, fr- and you, you, it's sad how young you, I remember being like seven, you know, six, seven years old and re- and feeling ugly. And who knows who gave me that idea and how you get that way. But it's so sad how young it starts. And I feel like mm-hmm. it's so important for us to lift up those little girls. You don't know what little girls are going through in their minds and it's just, yeah, but that's so sweet to hear that she got that. And think about how many other little girls could use that same feedback. Um, yeah. So if you know a little girl in your life, just take your time. Pour love into yeah. her. And that, I mean, it's of so course we don't want... A girl. It is, and we don't want, like, you know, you don't want little girls to focus on just looks. But I think especially there is definitely a sector of little girl that gets bombarded with you're not beautiful yeah. because you're dark, because your hair is way curlier than others, you know? And so although, you know, it's not our intention, I think, you know, like to raise girls to be super conscious of their looks, but there's an extra little boost that some kids need because the whole world tells you you're ugly over and over and over and over again. And the fact that she's like four or five and she is claiming like, I'm ugly. I just can't even, yeah. I'm just so happy. Like I see So like my, um, my, my bonus daughter, um, Supergirl, she is like chocolate. She's probably two or three shades darker than me. And like, you know, super, super tightly curled hair. And you can't tell Supergirl that she is not the fly. We have been pouring love into that little girl. <laughs> I, I remember when she was like seven or eight and she said, you know, she called me Tiffy. You know, Tiffy, I figured out why everybody at school wants to be my friend. <laughs> and I'm like, why? She said, because I'm just so cute. <laughs> and she had to be like, I said, like, you know, six or seven. And I just remember being blown away because I didn't have that confidence because I thought I was so black and black was not a pretty color for girls to be. And so just to see 
like how her mom and her dad before I came just poured so much love into her that she walks with confidence. And, and to this day, you know, she's as chocolate as can be and just so beautiful. And and she owns that. But that's not like, you know, she doesn't obsess about her looks, but she doesn't think that she's unattractive, you know. And I just I just wish more kids grew up with with that pouring into because you, it's almost like you have to solidify these kids against the world and what they're going to receive. Yeah, 100 percent. Well, thanks for sharing that story. That's really sweet. Yeah. My other, um, the other thing that people are talking a lot about in light of the coronavirus, one of the like the silver linings, I feel kind of guilty for saying that of the coronavirus has been refinancing mortgages has become another hot topic because mortgage rates are at, at like rock bottom. They haven't been this low in a long time. Tiff, I know you don't have a mortgage, but for those of us who do, you may feel the societal pressure to start looking into refinancing. And it's not a bad idea, especially if you're, you know, if you if you locked in a rate a few years ago when rates were a little bit higher than they are now. I locked in my rate, I feel like late 27, no, 2018, a couple of years ago. Anyway, it was like 4.375 was my rate. And now low, low rates are like 3.2. And apparently so many people are flooding mortgage um, lenders wanting to refinance. Some of them aren't lowering their rates because they can't handle the volume of mm. like people coming at them wanting to refinance. So I I put our numbers and you know, the questions with refinancing, because you have to pay closing costs again. It's like a brand yes. new loan, you know, so you're, you know, for example, like in my state, they charge like a 1% tax on the loan and you that's part of your closing costs. And that adds up when you have a big mortgage and, you know, plus the cost of like having an attorney and all that kind of stuff. So we're weighing our options and then you have to think how long are you going to be in the house for? Um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious if any of you guys out there have taken advantage of these low interest rates and refinanced and what was that process like for you? Because I'm, I'm considering it and it feels like there's a tick, 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 ticking clock you know, rates won't be this low forever, but I'm trying to take my time with that decision because, you know, it's it's a lot of money up front, but then it's also how long will we stay in this house for and when will I save more by locking in a lower interest rate because that could save us money on our monthly mortgage payment, but when will the savings from month to month add up to enough to make sense for the upfront costs that we'll have to pay in order to refinance? That is the question. Um, I actually used, LendingTree has a really cool refinance break-even calculator, which shows you when you're going to break even, when that point happens, when your savings outstrip you know, the cost. So I'll share a link to that in the show notes if you guys are interested. But send us an email at brandambitionpodcast at gmail.com or shoot me a note on Instagram at brandambitionpodcast on the gram and let me know if you've refinanced because I'm very curious. No, that is, I mean, my dad did that. I remember I was like, my dad stay on it at 70 something years old. Not recently, but it, there was a dip before and he refinanced and was able to, it was going to save him, I think I want to say like 250 bucks a month, which is not a little bit of money, especially when you're on a fixed income as a retiree. So yeah, he, the thing is with your finances, you just have to understand that you have to be an active participant. You know, if you're going to be on top of them, gone are the days. I don't know if there were ever those days, but gone are the days where you kind of don't have to actively look at your investments, look at your interest rates, look at, I think we all have to be a little bit more financially savvy in order to just be okay, which is kind of scary. I'm not going to lie. In order to just be okay. Like before I felt like maybe like 20 or 30 years ago, you could not actively be a part and be like, well, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to 
advance, but I'm not going to fall behind. Yeah, I'm going to get a like, pension. And it's all going to yes. be fine. It's a whole different world now. Yes. Like you have to actively be a part of it just to maintain status quo. Yeah. And the world expects us to be financial experts. Like, oh, we created this really complex tax code, this really complex financial market. So you guys just catch up and figure things out. We're not going to like tell you how to do it, uh, but you'll, you know, figure it out in your adult years somehow. Um, I know. No pressure, but that's why we're here to help you guys work <laughs> through it. So continue sending us your questions. And speaking of which, should we take a quick break and come back and take some we questions? We should. Yep, we should. Fabulous. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. back for my favorite segment questions mm, got some great questions from you guys again you can hit us up brandambitionpodcast at gmail.com or ping us on instagram we're at brandambitionpodcast on the gram we've got a couple of interesting questions and we talked a lot about investing lately so let's start with a question from who wants to go by msw and her question is about some stock that she purchased Again, you guys, we are not investment advisors, obviously, or financial advisors. So everything we talk about is just our own opinion and how we would approach things. Of course, consult experts on your own and don't come at us. Um, if things don't work out, we're just sharing what we you know, feel in the moment. Um, here is her question. She says, I love the podcast. Recently, my position at my job was eliminated. At the time, I've invested in stocks at my place of work at a discounted price. I decided I don't want this stock anymore. I've got around $6,000 in this stock, but the stock is going down every moment. Should I sell the stock and just get taxed or should I move to another stock or mutual fund? Looking for some guidance on this. So it sounds like she's talking about stock options, which some employers, I talked last week about RSUs, restricted stock units, which is a incentive that employers give their um, workers. It's saying, you know, we'll give you some shares in the company um, and they're going to vest in a year, which means in a year you're going to get to, you know, take advantage of that stock, sell it, trade it, whatever. Stock options are a little bit different. It's like when you are able to purchase your company's stock at a discount. So it sounds like that's what she's done. She's got $6,000 in the company stock. And like everyone else right now, she's looking at her investments and watching them go down, 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 down. So, Tiff, what do you what do you think about this? Well, here's the thing. I do think um, I like diversification of investments, obviously, and I 
don't think having a ton of money in individual stocks is always the best idea. I think I think the rule of thumb is really you should not be more than 5% of your total portfolio should be in individual stocks. That being said, the market is falling. The market is falling. Um, I probably would wait until the market stabilizes because it's like if you sell now when things are kind of crazy, um, so here's the thing. I think that it's a good idea to, yes, sell the stock and diversify other places, right? But I don't think it's a good idea to necessarily do it now. I I equate it to this. Should you renovate your house because it's going to give you a better return? Absolutely. But not during a hurricane. Like, sis, you need to hunker down. <laughs> hunker down! Right? Yeah. Wait until the hurricane passes and then reevaluate your position as it relates to that stock. So the answer is yes, but not right now. Yeah, and and what are the pros and cons? Like the con of selling her stock right now is you're selling when things are low. Um, it's like we talked about earlier. It's an emotional response to the market going down. People wanting to sell because things aren't working out for them. But you could potentially miss out if when the market goes back up. The tricky thing is when you're just talking about one stock, it seems like every company is being hit right now by the market downturn pretty you know, much across the board. Um, so it may not be – sometimes stocks for companies fall because the management of the company is you know, terrible or someone quits high up at the company and the market is reacting to that or the product that the company makes you know, just got recalled by the FDA or something like that. And that's when the market will tank and the company itself is getting um, hurt by that. But when you have like widespread market downturn, downturn like right now and everyone's getting hit, it's a little bit different. And, you know, if you're, whenever you're investing in any one company, you want to look at the health of the company and do you think, okay, the company is, this is just a reaction to this coronavirus um, mayhem right now. And generally the stock is pretty good. So pretty strong. So you want to weather the storm and, and, and wait things out. Um, but like Tiffany said, in a perfect world, you wouldn't want to, it's hard with that. It's hard for us to know. You only say you have $6,000 and maybe that's fine because you've got a bunch of money in your 401k well diversified, or you've yes. got a brokerage account well diversified. And this is just 6K on the side, but it's hard for us to know without understanding like what percentage of your overall investment um, this $6,000 is. So it could be a pebble or it could be you know, a boulder in terms of mm-hmm. size. But what we do know right now is the market is really crazy. It is. So either way, even if you're going to sell, I, I just don't, it just, to me, it doesn't make sense to to make a move during crazy times. Yeah. A big move. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Well, if you're truly, you know, wanting to know what's best for you, again, without knowing your entire financial picture, which we could never know, can't give you like specific advice. We're not investment advisors, but maybe you want to consult an expert to see what you should do with that. But- Personally, I'm with Tiffany in terms of I'm not touching my own investments right now. I'm trying not to look. I have like one eye open a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I'm not making any hasty moves right now. Um, And uh, that is anything else to add, Tiffany? No, just, you know, we are your financial girlfriends, not your financial gurus. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much for your question, Missy. And let's go to the gram where we have an interesting question about someone, another kind of interesting relationship and finance predicament. This listener wants to remain anonymous, which we shall respect. So let's call her. Uh, uh, why am I thinking of Shirley? I don't know why. Sorry. That's a terrible <laughs> name. No, no, <laughs> Shirley. Shirley. Come on, Shirley. No Come offense to Shirley. anyone named Shirley. Uh, <laughs> just I had an aunt, Shirley. Maybe we'll just call her Shirley. Okay, uh, Shirley. Okay, Shirley. 
Hello, I've been in a five-year relationship with a financially intelligent man. I have a great job as a budget manager, two teenagers, and $100,000 in school loans and $20,000 in credit card debt. Is it okay to ask him to manage my finances until I get out of debt? We're moving towards marriage, but I don't want to get married with so much debt. Please don't use my name. You got it, Sherry Lee. Wow. So... Jerry Lee, child. You know, I'm not even here to judge because I have definitely been six figures in debt, yes. not just with with um, with mortgage, but like credit card, student loan. So I feel for you. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing, though. I, how long have y'all been dating? Five years. And you have two. Oh, uh, well, you know that's pretty solid. But you have two kids. I'm just slightly nervous about quote unquote letting him manage. Right. Meaning, like, are you going to be giving him your money every month? What I do think, because this is what Superman and I did when we were living together, but we were married, is that we would sit down every two weeks and work on the financials together. That, I think, absolutely should be doing that. But I feel a little hesitant about kind of like giving someone access to my financial, like the bank account. Like, obviously, Superman has all the access now, but we're married. I would feel a little hesitant about giving someone access to my all my credit cards, my bank accounts, and all of that, um, and we're not married. So working together to get on financial track, yes. Having full access to all my financials, eh, I don't know about all that. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. You're First of all, you're going to have to really, let's just assume that they have great trust. He is aware of this debt and you trust him in, in, implicitly and everything. And five years relationship, you know, so you definitely know who he is by now. What I would say is if, if he's financially savvy and he has strategies that he can coach you on and be like your financial accountability partner, maybe you need that. Maybe you need someone to sit down, look at the numbers with you and help you come up with a game plan and that's fine. But I wouldn't necessarily hand over the keys to the castle and say, I'm going to give you my debt and my here's my income each month. You decide how to use it and turn a blind eye to it. I think you need to be involved side by side every step of the way, um, like Tiff was saying. And in a, in a, you know, like Tiffany and Superman, you know, they have a, a real trusted partnership. And I mean, it didn't, it wasn't like from the beginning where Superman was, you know, wanting you to coach him, right? I mean, like any, like with any partner, it's like, mm, this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, you think you're a financial expert? It's <laughs> yeah, he, I was not, he was yeah. not looking forward to the coaching. I forced the coaching on Yeah, him. you guys love <laughs> to hear our advice. You know who doesn't? Our spouses. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but if you guys have that really have that trust already, then I would say, yeah, I think it's fine for him. If he's got some strategies, he can help you on hold you accountable. That's all fine. Clearly, you know, you have significant debt and I would say something needs to be done for sure, especially that twenty thousand dollars in credit card debt. That concerns me, especially when it's accruing interest. You want to you want to get. Uh, you want to get some kind of plan in place to start whittling that down. Um, I don't know what kind of I don't know what kind of student loans you have, whether they're private or federal. But there's things you can take as well to make that more manageable. So um, you might want to consider refinancing those now. Now the interest rates are lower. Yeah, I mean, um, if you've got private loans, you want to mm-hmm. refinance them or federal loans, you know, as well. There's, you can consolidate those. There's there's options. There's income driven repayment plans. I don't know if you mm-hmm. how you how that would shake out with you with your income. There's there's options. You know you could um, use a personal loan uh, to consolidate your credit card debt. Maybe you have you can save on interest that way. If your credit is healthy, that can be an option. Uh, balance transfers. There's there's things. So if you're you know if your husband uh, or sorry your partner. Uh, is interested and, you know, has some great tips or strategies to help you with, then 
sure, on your own. I don't know. Did you say this earlier, Tiffany? But I would say don't take every, you know, maybe he has ideas and he's super smart, but also do your own research and learn mm-hmm. so that it's not all coming from one source. And I, and I think any good partner would support you educating yourself and not just, you know, taking them at their word because um, then you want to feel empowered. And if things don't work out, you don't want to be like, oh, no, I'm going to, you know, I, everything I, I knew was tied up in this one person. Now I don't know anything and I can't handle my own finances. Mm-hmm. You'll exactly. You'll feel better and more empowered as a woman and uh, as a woman and as a mother and, um, and as a working mom if you understand things as well. So basically, I wouldn't have him do it for you, but definitely with you. Mm-hmm. 100%. And yeah, he should, and hopefully he knows um, about it because, like you said, going into a marriage and, and springing that on him, um, it, it probably wouldn't be good. <laughs> Thank you very much for your question, Miss Sherry Lee. Yes, Rest Sherry in peace, Aunt Sherry Lee. We miss you. <laughs> Nobody doesn't love Sherry Lee. I know it's Sarah Lee, but you know, it sounds the same. Everyone's got Lee as a middle. <laughs> I'm Amanda Lee, got a Sherry Lee. Aww. There's a Ruby <laughs> oh, Lee. We're all Lees. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so Southern. <laughs> That is very, I love it. All right. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for your questions again. Uh, hit us up at Brown Admission Podcast at gmail.com or Brown Admission Podcast um, on Instagram. And now it's time to boost a break with our BA family. Will you boost? Will you break? What you gonna do, Mandy? <laughs> I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a break really quick and, uh, and I won't go too, on too, too long about this, but I want to do a break. Um, maybe I'll do a boost and a break. So I want to do a break for people out there who need to hear this, who respond to feedback in the workplace defensively. If your first response to criticism or negative feedback in the workplace is to be defensive and point the finger at other people, I want to just say take like take 10 seconds, take a deep breath before you write that email, before you respond in a defensive way and like be a little introspective because as a manager, I often have to give constructive feedback and criticize people if they're not doing things properly. And it's really difficult to help someone grow and to build a team when people are unwilling to accept and learn from that feedback. And I have had to humble myself throughout my career. I don't think I'd be where I am if I I wasn't a, a humble person who could take and accept feedback and accept that sometimes I don't do things the right way or that I could be better at something. And it it will just hurt. It will make you a horrible person to work with. It will stop people from wanting to see you move up and succeed. It'll stop people from giving you, you know, if you've been complaining about not being trusted with more responsibilities or getting that promotion. I mean, sometimes for me, it comes down to does this person handle feedback well? Can they see that there is room to grow? And um, it may be tough to hear, but I've just seen that those two types of people and manage those two types of people and the ones who can't accept feedback and learn from it and grow from it um, and see the value in getting the feedback. You know, there's great, you should feel good about having, if they're doing it in the right way, having a manager, having colleagues who feel um, who care enough about you to give you feedback so that you can grow. And I think that there's a story you can tell yourself when you get constructive or difficult feedback. The story can be, 
oh, this person is just criticizing me. Oh, this is not my fault. Um, this person's micromanaging me. Like they just want to, they just like are bringing me down. That's one story you can tell yourself. Or the other story can be, this is a learning moment. This person cares enough to give me this feedback. Let me actually look at the feedback and think objectively as much as I can about what they're saying and help figure out how I can grow and learn from this and collaborate with that person to improve. And it, it, I've seen the struggle. It's really hard for some people to get there. But if you want to succeed in your career, it's one of the best tips I can give you is to bring humility to the table and have mm-hmm. take feedback, learn from it and grow from it. People in management positions love working with people like that. And it really sucks when you have people who who can't do that. And that is yeah. my break. What about you? You said you were going to do a boost and a break. Oh, the boost would be for people who can't take feedback. Oh. <laughs> I was just trying. How are they going to like? How was I going to spin this? Positive or negative? Yeah, boost for boost for everybody out there. And and I had to learn how to take. I'm a writer, and I get edited by. You know, I was a writer. I'm an editor now, but having to take criticism from sometimes people I didn't know about stuff that stories that I would produce. I mean, talk about direct feedback every single day. And if you're in a in a field where you're getting feedback every single day, you're not going to you're not going to last very long if you can't take it. So, a yeah. boost for people who take that feedback and can grow from it and accept and and know that it comes from a place of um, you know, well-meaning and for your own growth. So, I'm going to do kind of like um a double boost. So, first booth, we did it. We did it. We did it. Yeah, low and Simo. So, y'all really show now. I mean, by the time you hear this is it's it will be past, but on Tuesday, the Molly Moore Kickstarter officially is done and girl, we have raised over $52,000. Oh my god. Yo, that honestly, was, that's amazing. <gasps> I I haven't checked in a minute. That's wait. You were trying to raise how much? 35,000. Holy crap. I know. And each additional $5,000 means that I can donate um, 200 more books. I did the math and hire one additional teacher. Wow. So it's been, uh, I mean, like this is definitely one of the hardest things I've done before. I will say this, the pre-work was so hard during the Kickstarter. If you do the pre-work, it's not as hard, um, especially past like the first week. But I... Honestly, I told myself in my mind, my, you know what? You killed it if you get to 40,000. You know, you asked for 35, but you get to 40. Woo, girl. So to get to 52, because last night, Mandy, we were at like, I don't want to say like maybe like 47 or something. So I, you know, I didn't, I, I was kind of holding my breath that maybe we could crack 50, but like, let's not get crazy. Yeah. So to get past 52, it's like, I think, I think people, one of the things that this has taught me is I think folks think that having an audience does not guarantee that people are going to support something that's not necessarily fully in alignment with what they know you for. Yep. If you, you know, if you one thing like, oh, I'm coming up with a financial book, then my expectation is, hey, you come to me for personal finance as the budgetista, you're going to buy my adult book because you're an adult. But to convince people who don't have kids, you know, to purchase a financial literacy, well, a children's book with a financial literacy undertone for kids, it's that was a, a bigger leap. And, you know, and I just... I'm just really grateful for every single person. There are people who donated a dollar, five dollars. I just love that. Like I, I am grateful for the people who donated seven hundred, and equally as grateful for people who donated a dollar because what those are people who are like, I don't have much, but I love what you're doing. You've helped me, so I'm gonna pour back into the babies. So I'm just yeah, I'm just grateful. Over twelve hundred people donated, and 
what I love, almost 1300, what I really love is that, you know, that we, not that I love this, but the fact is we didn't go viral. These people that donated are individually one. Like I can go behind the scenes and see each one of your names. And so to see people that have not spoken to in years, that have not seen in years, middle school friends, high school friends, I'm like, oh my gosh. It just, yeah, it's just been, honestly, it's just been an amazing journey. So that is my boost. Like, woohoo. Um, the good thing is at mollymore.com, as soon as it like closes, the the Kickstarter closes, it will turn into just a general pre-order page. And the book, I think, is like, I want to say $17, like a regular children's book of that size. Um, so you'll be able to just pre-order just regular at that same website at mollymore.com. M-A-L-I-M-O-R-E. But my real true boost is I think I just found amazing admin. I don't think she listens to Brown Ambition, but I want her to stay. So how amazing could she be if she's not a listener? I don't understand. <laughs> well, she well, she's been a dream catcher for a long time. But here's something that really helped because I've been having a hard time finding the right fit. Remember I had to, that lady, that grand opening, grand closing, we let her go within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. We were learning, like, how do you find the right admin? Finding an executive admin is not easy. That was a few months and ago. Yeah, it was. And But even before that, like we were looking, we've been looking, I've been looking honestly for like nearly, I feel like two years, but that's not odd because most of my my um my friends in business same thing they have a great CFO they have a great bookkeeper they have a great all these other things but finding an executive admin who is who wants to be an admin not wants to be I'll be an admin because I'm really trying to be dot 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 but someone who really just wants to be the best admin possible is really hard so we we did some really deep dive interviews. So we interviewed, I want to say like 10 different people, whittled it down to five. I mean, we had them submit everything from here's a scenario that might be in Tiffany's inbox. What do you say? Let me see how your PowerPoint presentation looks. Let me see how Excel looks like. We did all the things, got it down to three really great women. And after interviewing them, one really stood out um, to me. The other two were great too, but one really stood out as a unicorn. And she um, was a dream catcher for a number of years. I knew her just from like, in like kind of like in passing, we've done things together. And I was like, oh, her, she's awesome. So then we did something new this time that we had the team. She worked a paid, almost like a paid preview for two weeks. So the first week she got paid to work with the team and they did some trainings and things like that. And they loved her. And then the second week she worked with me where we, we spoke for like a few minutes every morning and like kind of worked through the day and what needed to be done. And she's been amazing when I tell you. And so the key is now is that preview is not just for us to decide if she's a fit. She has to decide if we're a fit. And so I know that it's really hectic sometimes working over at the budgetista and, um, I know I'll find out tomorrow if I know if I've already chosen her. I'm like, I choose you. Um, <laughs> I find out tomorrow if she chooses us back. Um, and we haven't scared her away with all the shenanigans that it takes to like keep a business like this running. So yeah, that's just really my my brown boost. She is brown, so I wanted to boost her. I'm not gonna say her name just yet. Well, we call her Michelle, because you know, the running joke is all the admins are named Michelle. So um new Michelle, hopefully <laughs> you choose you choose us back. Maybe don't use oh, that in your pitch her. <laughs> It's like in Devil Wears Prada when she just kept calling her the other girl's name. (laughs) Um, But no, she's like I said, she's awesome. And but one thing I do know, and this is what I told the team, that when you find somebody amazing, what it what reminds me is that there are other amazing people out there. So for whatever reason, if we don't, she doesn't choose us and me, that what it does is she made it clear for me to figure out what it is I needed and what I'm looking for in an admin because she's A plus. So, so I'm trying to look at the good side, but also I'm hope fingers crossed because she's been talking like 
we had like our, our morning talk today and the, the way she's talking like, yeah, so on Thursday, I'm like, are you going to be here on Thursday? <laughs> so I'm praying, I'm hoping. If you're listening, girl, please stay. We need you. Listen, um, when you find the right person, it does feel like you found like a love match or something. I mean, yes. it's like dating. You're like, I just, I, I've left really good interviews just on cloud nine. Like that was a great date. I'm ex- I, I want to text my mom and tell her about this great yes. person I just met and how, you know, like, and that is the best feeling. It is. I, I'm not going to lie. Like I told her, I felt like I was like kicking game. I said, girl, this is what I said. Literally, it don't take a whole day to recognize sunshine. <laughs> I, would, I would love for you to be on the team. I know. So fingers crossed either way. Like it's just, I mean, either way it's, it's, it's good either way. So, but either we learned a really great lesson or we have a really great person, hopefully both. So that's my brown boosties. Oh, fabulous. That's great to end the show on a high note and congrats Mm -hmm. again on the, the success of that Kickstarter. I'm so excited for Molly Moore. And I hope this is just one of many, many, many Molly Moore books to come. And I can't wait to see how big, how big everything gets with that. I know. Honestly, I'm like, I'm just holding on by the seat of my pants. I'm like, whatever, whatever comes, I'm just welcoming it with opening arms. And I have, I'm keeping low expectation, but open to all opportunities. Speak to the universe. (laughs) Yes. All right, guys. Well, wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Be safe. Work from home if you can. And don't touch your 401k. (laughs) <laughs> yes, don't touch your 401k. Consult an expert. Um, if you have, uh, if you're if you're thinking about doing anything with your investments, talk to an expert first. Um, hit us up with your questions. Let us know, you know, if you've made any financial moves in in light of all this coronavirus, you know, market upheaval. Whether it's refinancing your mortgage or looking at your investments, you know, I'm curious. We're all curious how you guys are handling it. So shoot us a note. Um, Instagram, Brown Ambition Podcast. Gmail, we're brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter and Facebook, so you can find us that way as well. Stay safe out there. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.